Acts chapter 18, and the one verse that we're going to be focusing in on is verse number 43, but we're going to start in verse number 41. <clears throat> we're looking at, uh, in the overview of 2020, the word is prepare, the, the uh, 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 focus is on preparing for the Lord's blessings this coming year. We prepare, as you see the, the uh, banners, we prepare by faith, by sacrifice, by persistence. And so uh, it, we're, we're looking at this passage of Scripture and uh, getting into those thoughts. 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse number 41. And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up and eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. And you know the background that we've been laying these last few weeks. Uh, there's been three and a half years of drought. Three and a half years of no rain at all. God turned off the spigot and was bringing everybody's attention to, to focus on the problem, the problem of their uh, heresy, the problem of their, their backsliding as a nation. And he was bringing, calling them back. And so here, now that uh, they have the attention, uh, Mount Carmel experience had already taken place with the uh, prophets of Baal and fired up down from heaven to consume Elijah's sacrifice to prove which was the, the true and the, the real God. Anyway, so this is after that. Now God's... Uh, uh, letting loose the waters and bringing the blessings finally. He says, there's going to be rain. Get thee up and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. Verse 43, and this is where we're going to be focusing in on today. And he said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And he said, go again seven times and it came to pass at the seventh time that he said behold there riseth a little cloud out of the sea like a like a man's hand and he said go up and say unto ahab prepare thy chariot and get thee down that the rain stop thee not and it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind and there was a great rain and ahab rode and went to Jezreel. Back in verse number 43, in the uh, latter part of that verse, he says, go look and go again, and again seven times he asked him to go. And it came to pass at the seventh time. That's what, when it finally broke loose, when it finally came to pass. Lord, we thank you for this passage of Scripture. Lord, help us to understand the principles that we're going to be dealing with uh, in how that you deal with us. Lord, you, you deal with us with uh, fidelity and consistency and a persistence. Lord, help us to understand that uh, to see divine blessing, we need to prepare. We need to get ready for that. We need to prepare by and through our persistence. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us this morning to uh, uh, lay the, the biblical facts in proper order and help us to gain proper application of them. Lord, I pray that you just bless your people. We want to prepare for your blessings here uh, today and this year. Lord, we pray that you just bless, bless in all that's said and done. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Entitlement of this message is go again and again. And again and again and again and again and again. It would be seven times. Go again. Preparation by persistence. We've got to prepare for victory, for the Lord's blessings. Verse 44 again, he said, Go up, say unto Ahab, prepare thy chariot. 
and get thee down that the rain stop thee not. This is before the rain ever took place. Remember he said, hey, go see if there's, there's any evidence of rain coming. At first there was nothing. I mean, nothing. They didn't hear anything, didn't see anything. And by faith, Elijah said, hey, the rain's coming. But then when God finally signified the rain's coming, and he says, you better prepare yourself. You better get the chariot ready because if you don't, you're going to get stuck. You're gonna, it, it, it's not going to be a pretty sight. You've got to prepare the chariot and get thee down that the rain stop thee not. If they had not prepared, there would have been no victory. The prepping of the chariot for a fierce ride down the mountain may have involved... I don't know, securing the weapons or the, or the tackle of the, of the chariot, the, the shields and whatnot, tossing out any excess baggage, securing the horse's harness, making sure that everything was, was uh, taut and, and, and uh, together. For them to make this ride, they needed to prepare for it. And this year, we're prepping, we're doing the prep work for the Lord's blessings. I'm doing the prep, prep work for the Lord's blessings in my life. We're preparing for divine movement. You remember in the overview of this, this year, there's the three areas, by prepping by faith, preparing by faith. Verse 41, Elijah said, get thee up and eat and drink, for there's a sound of abundance of rain. And remember, that was when there was no sound. That was totally by faith. He said there is when there wasn't. This was anticipating divine action and progress and movement. You can't expect to grow without preparation and planning for growth. And it's got to happen even before we see the evidence of God's moving. We've got to prepare, and that's preparing by faith. And then preparing by sacrifice. Last week, we, we were there. Verse 42, so Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. Everybody else was preparing for celebration and, and, and a blessing, but then there was some heavy lifting that, that Elijah had to do. He sacrificed the norms to see the divine. Somebody's got to do that. Somebody's got to prepare and pray and plan and execute for others to enjoy and ever have victory. And then the last is by persistence. In those verses that we uh, saw this morning, uh, he says, hey, go look, go look seven times. It was persistence that paved the way. <clears throat> we started the series two weeks ago with uh, preparing by faith Verse 41, the sound of abundance of rain. And then uh, last week we noted that Elijah prepared by sacrifice while well, everybody else celebrated and, and uh, the end of the drought and they were uh, uh, going to enjoy the blessings of God, but somebody had to do what Elijah did and that is get alone with God and, and uh, pray and had to be there to connect with God, be the interceder for the wayward community. Somebody had to dedicate themselves for the others and that was Elijah. We, we saw that last week. Well, this week, we're continuing with noting the persistence needed to see God's blessings fall in verse 43 again. And he said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And he said, go again seven times. And of course, the seventh time is when they saw the blessing. Verse 45 says, and there was a great rain. We've got to have persistence to see God through. We prepare for the Lord's blessings, his, his victory, we prepare by or through persistence. There are so many ways that a continual nonstop effort wins the day. And Jesus mentioned the, this type of persistence in prayer that makes the difference. In Luke chapter 18, verse number 1, he gave this story, a very interesting story, and let's take a look at it, what Jesus said about persisting in prayer that 
is pertinent to what we're talking about. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Don't give up. Don't quit. Just go on. Keep at it. Men should always pray and not faint. Saying, there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city. And she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. Well, that's what government's there for. She's, there was injustice. Uh, the law had to uh, come to take place. But this guy wasn't, he didn't care about her. He didn't care about anybody. He kind of just wanted his own salary and his own, uh, you know, uh, term. And I, I wonder if we know any politicians that way, you know. He's in, he's in the place where he should be protecting, should be working for the people, and he doesn't care. He's not a good person, not a good politician. And it just happens where sometimes there's a person in, in office like that, and he sure was. He couldn't care less. What was going on with this woman? Couldn't care about her problems. As it says, uh, he uh, feared not God, neither regarded man. But she says, avenge me. Hey, there's something wrong. Something's going on, and I need some justice here. Verse 4. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, though I fear not God, nor regard man. Boy, that's pretty blatant. But he's not admitting this to anybody else. He's talking to himself. He's just admitting who he was. You know, you could, you could portray what you want to with, with the crowd. But he's just honest with himself. I don't care about this. I don't care about this situation. I fear not God nor regard man. Yet, verse 5, because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. I mean, it's over and over and over again. I just see her everywhere. I go to the grocery store. Uh, you know, Mr. Politician, hey, you got to do something about this. Yeah, 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 yeah. I go to work, and she's at my office, and she's the next, you know, uh, uh, appointment. She comes in, Mr. Politician, I've, I've got to have you do this. We've got to have some justice. Yeah, right, right, we'll get to it, we'll get to it. And, you know, he goes home, he gets a letter in the mail, and she's saying, hey, you got to do something. And then she, he sees her at the marketplace, and he sees her here, and he's, she's in the way, and she's picketing at his house and whatever. And he, she, he says, I've got to get this woman off my back. I was going to say, anybody that's married knows what I'm talking about. That's the wrong thing to say, but I'm not going to say that. I can't believe you guys even thought of that. But anyway. <laughs> oh, man. How am I going to get out of this one? <laughs> All right. Somebody pray and we'll just be dismissed. I'm, I'm in big trouble. <laughs> of course, we don't know anything about that. But anyway, so here... Uh, in this guy's situation, he was just bugged. He was bugged. He, he had to get rid of this woman. And he, you know what? You know why he was brought to action? He was troubled. Because he was inconvenienced. It's too much. I'm not going to do this for this lady. I'm not going to do this because I'm, I, I am concerned about her situation. I don't care about this woman. But she's going to drive me, me nuts. I mean, really, she's going to drive me nuts. I better do something about this just to get her off of my back. That's what he's doing. That's the problem. That's, and that's what Jesus says, why this guy got engaged. All right? And that's what he said. And the Lord said, verse 6, hear what the unjust judge saith. Now, this guy was a creep. This guy was unjust. He didn't care. He was not a good, good person. He was not a good politician. He was unjust. 
And look what he did. Look what happened here. Here what the unjust judge saith. And then he turns and he says, hey, now, you know what? God's not unjust. God is not unconcerned. You know, the Bible says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though we bear long with them? You remember what he's teaching in this, in this story? That men ought always to pray, continually pray. Don't give up. Don't faint. Just keep at it. Just like this guy was barraged by this woman and her request, for no other reason he did it because of her persistence. And you know what? God says, <clears throat> pray that way. That's how you pray. Don't give up. Okay, so what is it that you need, that you're praying for? What is it in your life right now that you've given up on? Oh, don't look at me like, oh, you know, oh, I'm spiritual. I never give up on it. You know, I, I have given up praying for certain people at certain times. Not because God said quit praying for him, but because I was tired, because I thought, well, you know, no use. I'm praying and praying and praying and nothing happens, quit. Jesus said, no, no, this is how you ought to pray. You ought always to pray, not to faint, keep at it. Listen, God can do the, the miraculous. God can do over and above anything that we imagine, that ask or think. Hey, listen, God is able and God can do it. Now listen, folks, I want to give you the example of, of Mabel Shantz. She was an elderly person in our church at First Baptist Church of Burbank, there in the city of Chicago. It was right outside the city. I lived in the city, but that was where my church was when I got saved. And went out there, and, and uh, I w this Christianity thing was new to me. And, and so I remember going to church, learning on Wednesday night they had a prayer meeting, kind of like what we do here. We have a prayer meeting where we have a lesson and, and, and actually do the business of praying for our missionaries or requests or whatever. We have prayer meetings that in that church just like this and they would always ask request now we have a prayer list and it's on there if you have a request you you, you know send it to the uh, office or the the uh, app and it gets on there and then that's what we pray for but uh what they did was they asked request every every wednesday night and they wrote down the request every wednesday night mabel chance she was so faithful in church what a sweet lady taught in sunday school she was back here and she would raise her hand Pastor, would you pray for my husband that he gets saved? And I remember first coming to that, those prayer meetings, and I'm going to pray for everybody and anything, you know. You know and so, I'm sure, let's pray for him, you know. And so I write it down, and yes, pray for Mr. Chance. Pray for Mr. Chance. He's not saved, you know, and, and he's, uh, I don't know what the story was, or, you know, whether she became a Christian after she got married to him. I don't know what, what happened, but anyway, she's married to a lost guy, and he's not saved. And so, week after week, Wednesday night, every Wednesday night, come, uh, pray for my husband. Pray for my husband. He comes to church. Pray for my husband. He gets saved. And I remember writing that down and praying about it, praying about it. And then it dawned on me, every week we hear this, you know. I went to go talk to Mrs. Chance after service once. And I said, how long have you been praying for your husband to be saved? She said, 40 years. You, you know what I did? I confessed. I kind of crossed it off my list. Why? You've been praying for 40 years. 
You think that's going to, you think anything's going to change? How, how, how many Wednesday nights, how many days, how many times have you brought this up before the throne in your lifetime? You're just praying and praying and praying and praying and no answer and no answer and no answer and no answer. Now, you know what? I didn't, I didn't cross it off in front of her. And I didn't even go back to my seat and cross it off my prayer list. But in, in my heart, I crossed it off. I remember coming to that after that was, you know, I, I learned coming to that request, just skipping over it. Why waste my breath? Guys, you want, you want to know what happened? Mr. Chance got saved. He did. He came to come to Christ. And he was, he was a rough old guy. He was in the, in the uh, World War II, and, but he came to, to church. I mean, he's a rough character and had to change his, his uh, vocabulary. And, and, he, and he came to be a sweet Christian. And he, we'd have testimony meetings, and he, he raised his hand. He said, I thank God I'm saved, and I thank God that my wife prayed for me for 40 years. And I was rebuked. I had to come and say, God, I'm so sorry. That's what I, I quit. I quit. I didn't pray like I should. Thank God for a Mabel chance that heard this in, in the Bible and wouldn't not quit. Thank God that somebody listened to that and, and, and said, I'm not going to quit because Jesus said, don't quit. This is how you pray. You just have, go for it and go for it. Don't give up. Don't quit. Hang on. Keep on. Keep on. Keep on. Don't ever quit. Don't ever faint. And that's what happened with Mr. Chance. And I, I'm telling you what, folks, I was rebuked. After that, I, you know what? I, I never come to that anymore, no matter what it is, no matter how, how outrageous it looks. This guy's going to change? Yeah, this person's going to ever be on God's side? Are you kidding me? He's an opponent. He's the opposite. He, he, he's, uh, he's not, uh, not in, in the, 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 the basket. Hey, listen, men ought always to pray and not, not to faint. Just like this woman who's so persistent, because of her persistence, this judge was changed to move. He says, you pray that way. You be consistent. You be persistent with your prayers. Don't quit. Don't quit. Keep on. Just keep on. Don't faint. Just keep on bringing it before the Lord. Um, folks, it was this woman's constant barrage in Jesus' story her persistence, her nonstop coming that brought her appeal to the front of the line. But remember that in this parable, the unsympathetic judge represents a God who is very sympathetic to you and I, to his children. If we can urge the unengaged to become engaged on our behalf by our persistence, then we can even be more effective in appealing to a loving Heavenly Father that has has a heart to bless his children. Persistence is the key to an effective prayer life. Just pray. I mean pray. And pray and pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. Don't quit. Keep it up. There was a book entitled uh, Good to Great. One of, the, one of the best business books I think I've ever read. It has so many applications and leadership and, you know, uh, businesses, schools, churches, and endeavors. 
written by Jim Collins, I don't know, about 10, 15 years ago, and uh, maybe 20 years ago now. But anyway, in that book, there was, he, he's, he's uh, um, looking at great companies, great American businesses, corporations, and he had a certain criteria. It had to be so, not just, you know, flash in a pan like they're up and coming now and they're big. No, you know, years and years and years and did great, uh, good in, in, uh, in the, the scope of, of things, of, of the landscape and everything else. And so it's, it, it's a, a book that was just looking at great companies and that, that's what it is. Uh, uh, good companies becoming great over a, a period of time. And there was one chapter in that book that he, that he uh, applies this principle, he calls it the flywheel principle. And since that time, he's written uh, a book or a monologue, he calls it, uh, on uh, the, the, the chapter that was called the flywheel effect. And let me read in that book, good to great, that what he says about the flywheel. He says this, he says, picture a huge heavy flywheel, a massive metal disc mounted horizontally on an axle about 30 feet in diameter, two feet thick, weighing about 5,000 pounds. Now imagine that your task is to get the flywheel rotating on the axis as fast and long as possible. Pushing with great effort, you get the flywheel to inch forward, moving along imperceptibly at first. You're pushing and pushing and just barely get the thing moving. You keep pushing and after two or three hours of persistent effort, you get the flywheel to complete one entire turn. You keep pushing and the flywheel begins to move a bit faster. And with a continued great effort, you move, around, move it around a second rotation. You keep pushing in a constant, consistent direction, three turns, four, Five, six, the flywheel builds up, to, builds up some speed. Seven, eight, you keep pushing. Nine, ten, it builds momentum. Eleven, twelve, moving faster with each turn. Twenty, thirty, fifty, a hundred. And then at some point, breakthrough. The momentum of the thing kicks in your favor, hurling the flywheel forward, turn after turn, whoosh. Its own heavy weight working for you. You're, you're pushing no harder than during the first rotation, but the flywheel goes faster and faster. Each turn of the flywheel builds upon work done earlier, compounding your investment of effort a thousand times faster than 10,000, than 100,000. The huge heavy disc flies forward with an almost unstoppable momentum. And remember, he's talking about businesses here, and he applies. He says, now suppose someone came along and asked, what was the one big push that caused this thing to go so fast? You wouldn't be able to answer. It's just a nonsensical question. Was it the first push? The second? The fifth? The hundredth? Well, no, it was all of them added together in an overall accumulation of effort applied in a consistent direction. Some pushes may have been bigger than others, but any single heave, no matter how large, reflects a small fraction of the entire cumulative effect upon the flywheel. The flywheel image captures the overall feel of what it was like inside companies as they went from good to great. No matter how dramatic the end result, 
The good to great transformations never happened in one fell swoop. There was no single defining action, no grand program, no one killer innovation, no solitary lucky break, no wrenching revolution. Good to great comes about by a cumulative process, step by step, action by action, decision by decision, turn by turn of the flywheel that adds up to the sustained and spectacular results. This is a pretty good illustration. What Jim Collins discovered here in apparently great lasting American corporations would be true in a number of different applications, whether it be businesses or schools or churches, any endeavor that you, you put your hand to. That persistent, that continual, uh, undistinguishable pressure forward that will continue to press on no matter what, even in light of great odds. Persistence and then momentum. Let me illustrate the necessity of persistence by looking at a biblical example. First Samuel is a difficult time in David's life. He was running from King Saul and it was all wrong. It was, it was, everything, was everything that was happening to him was, was off and off base and off color and it was wrong and, and it was not fair. You know, life is just not fair. But boy, there was some real things that were happening in, in his life at that time. A difficult time of testing for David. He's, he's going from place to place. He's trying to do it, right? But it was a tough time, to say the least. And then this happens. 1 Samuel chapter 30, and verse number 1. And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day, his men were the mighty men that you hear about, the famed mighty men of David, who, who at first it was like some 30 men, and they, were, they became captains of tens and hundreds and and it was a, a great host eventually that became his force, his army. But, but those mighty men, faithful men, I mean, they'd do anything. They were the ones that, that risked their life. That one time that he was just kind of daydreaming out loud and said, man, wouldn't it be great to have uh, a drink from the well of Bethlehem where I grew up? And, but that was behind enemy lines. And these three of his men broke through those lines and they, they got water. I mean, they risked their life to bring it back to David. I mean, that's how faithful these men were to David. I mean, they were... They were men that were committed to being David's help. Anyway, it says in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1, when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag, that, that was the town where David was living, and all of his men were living. And they burned it with fire. I mean, you could see that from a long distance. They're coming back to their town. They're tired and they're... They're hungry and they're, they're, they're just coming out of, out of battle. And they see from a distance this smoke coming up and wondering, what is that? Get closer and closer. It is from Ziklag. Verse 2, and they, they had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city. And behold, it was burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. Can you see these strong soldiers that wouldn't be caught dead weeping pu publicly? And here they just can't, they, they, they can't contain the emotion and, and they're, they're, they're broken down. and They don't know what to do. They're just weeping till they had no more power to weep. See, now this is, 
this kind of a, a trial would really show any leader and, and kind of bring out, okay, what is he going to do? What are the men going to do? They actually spoke of stoning David at this time. Hey, we didn't sign up for this. Go down to verse 6. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But, here's where David, he, he's, he's a cut above. Here's where he gets in gear. This is where David, where, where it's proving who, what his medal was. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. He couldn't get encouragement from anybody else. Even as faithful men. And by the way, you know, sometime in your life you're going to be disappointed by men, by people that you, you put your trust in and that you respect. But you know what? He didn't get his encouragement from them. It says he encouraged himself in the Lord. He, he knew where his encouragement needed to come from. Verse 7, And David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring hither the ephod, and uh, Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David. The ephod was a, a, a process to where they would inquire. They would ask God. They, they would uh, use this to, to try to determine God's will. And they were going to uh, uh, petition God. They were going to ask God, God, what do we do here? So he, he, he goes to, to uh, 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 inquire, to pray, and says, verse number 8, And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So David went, he and the 600 men that were with him. And they came to the brook Besor, where those that were left behind stayed. But David pursued, he and 400 men, for 200 abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go over to brook Besor. I mean, they were, at this point, some couldn't even take another step. They were done. They were, they, were, they were done in. This wasn't good enough for complete victory. They couldn't do it. 200 of the 400, uh, that's, uh, the 600 men, 200 stayed behind, and they just couldn't go any further. They were, they were spent. See, in, in all of these things, the, the Bible says uh, in, in verse number, uh, where is that, verse number six, but David encouraged himself. What a great, this is a great message in itself, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. Verse number eight, David inquired. He asked God, what do I do? He found out God's will. Uh, verse number nine, when he found out what God was asked for him to do, so he went, he obeyed, he, he followed, he did. Some, some uh, great principles in David's life. He, he encouraged himself, he prayed, he found out what God wanted him to do, and he did it, he went. But then, uh, verse number 9 says, that, or verse number 10 says, but he pursued. After others quit, after others gave out, but David pursued. <clears throat> the others were done, but he needed persistence. If he was ever going to win the victory, he needed to go on, not quit, keep on keeping on. It was in that continual pursuit. That's the only way that he could have had the ending to the story as it's told in verse number 18. The Bible says, And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. He had to pursue even when others quit. He needed to go on, not quit, to continue so that he could recover those losses. Persistence is what made David the greatest king Israel ever knew. So a few points about 
preparing by persistence. Preparing to see the victory of God, the blessing of God by persistence in the text that we started with in 1 Kings chapter 18. Let's look at that again. So here, Elijah, after the, the uh, uh, event at, at Mount Carmel, then he says, okay, there's, there's coming, uh, the Lord said there's going to be coming rain. It's going to uh, break the famine here, the drought. Verse 43, he said to his servant, uh, 1 Kings 18, 43, he said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there's nothing. And he said, go again seven times. It came to pass at the seventh time. They said, yep, here it comes. Can you see it? Carmel's high point is just about 1,700 feet, a little bit over 1,700 feet in elevation. It's only about seven miles from the Mediterranean Sea. I remember being there when I visited Israel, and from places you could actually see the, the ocean, you know, given a, a clear day. And here it was a, a hot, dry, uh, sunny day, not a cloud in the sky. I mean, not a cloud. And it goes up to, to, to peer over uh, the, the sea to see what, what's going on, if there's any, any activity. God said, there's rain coming, go see. He says, there's nothing. There's nothing. Blue sky. No sign of precipitation coming from anywhere. And here's Elijah asking his servant to go see the blessings. Nothing. Well, go again. Elijah, there's nothing again. Go again. There's nothing. The third time, Elijah, there's nothing. Do it again. There's nothing. How many times are we going to do this? Again, nothing. Again, nothing. Again, nothing. Hey, listen. There was seven times Again and again and again, and finally on the seventh time, after the seventh time, it began. It says, here it is, here it comes. Some points and we'll be done. Number one, the servant, the servant would have never succeeded without persistence. We, we, we see this in, in uh, what Elijah was asking him to do. He, he would have never, listen, failure would have been assured to this servant if he, number one, only went for immediate results. That was it. He was just working to see God bless right there. And if God didn't bless, well, that, that's, all he was, that, that's all he was working for. He was just working for immediate results. Is that your problem? <laughs> Is that my problem? I'm, I'm working to see God bless. Boom. Now, immediate results. You'll only serve him if you get immediate fulfillment. It's the believer that holds out for divine blessing. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 6, Jesus said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You see, in Christianity, there's this waiting period or this time of faith where you're applying faith before fulfillment. Listen, it's got to be there. And, and uh, the Lord works on a reward system that is sometimes delayed, many times delayed. Matter of fact, it's, it's uh, typical to be delayed. But is as valid as his promise, as his fidelity to his word. When God promises that he's going to do something, he's going to do it. The farmer cannot work demanding immediate results. Oh man, I plowed the field and I stuck that seed in the, in the ground yesterday and there's no, there's no harvest. What in the world? Uh, I, be, I best go lay bricks. No, the farmer has got to wait for the harvest. Sometimes it's months after sowing. 
by faith. And you know, sometimes there's harvest of uh, like coconuts or uh, certain trees that, that bring fruit after 10 years, 15 years of, of uh, watching a, a, a field before the, the, the payoff comes. You see, failure would have been assured of to the servant if he only went from immediate results. Number two, failure would have been assured to this servant if he quit after the first try or he quit after the second try. I don't see anything. You told me to go out there and, and check. There's nothing there. I'm quitting. Third try. You know what? He would have failed for sure if he would have quit after the fourth time, after the fifth time, after six times of going up there, after six tries, and if he would have quit, folks, you'll never see the full blessings of God on your impatience and your lack of commitment. Stay the course. Don't jump the gun. Remain true. Young people, wait for God's choice in your life. Yeah, but preacher, I'm 17 and I'm still not married yet. <laughs> oh, well then, just get the, the nearest, you know, guy that's breathing. The, the nearest gal around there that's, you know, then just... Folks, I really think that we miss something if we, if we miss the, the persistence needing to, needed to find God's will, to, find, to, to see God's blessing in things. So you've tithed for three weeks and you've not won the lottery yet. First of all, what are you doing buying lottery tickets? You know? That's not how God's going to bless. You said, windows of heaven shall be open, and so I think that means lottery, you know? And, so, and it didn't hit. God, I've been tithing. You know, and listen, I'm, you ask me to, uh, to sacrifice, give of, my, of a tenth of my, of my salary, of my income, my, my prog uh, uh, progress. God, you've asked me to do that, and, and I don't even have enough to pay bills for the, with 100%. But I'm supposed to give you 10%, and you know what? You can't trust God because you may have done that once or twice and you didn't, didn't see the blessing didn't see the how in the world you know and you know no all your life of doing things the wrong way and and uh entrenching yourself with wrong principles and now you think that's going to be all different and no no it's applying god's principles consistently and then watching god bless there have been times in my christian walk that I gave until it hurt. And I was bitter by it. And I remember uh, through those difficult times, not seeing God's blessings, but me being faithful, I got an attitude. I did. And you know what? That was like a, that was a, a whole, you know, vicious cycle of, it was it was it was not good but you know what i've also given and given over and above and sacrificed for the lord till i was joyful and that's that's what paul says we're to give hilariously that's the you know we're to give abundantly and and with with not frivolity but with joy we're supposed to give with joy 
And you know what? Today, I'm in a point in my life where I can sacrifice to the Lord and, and truly sacrifice, and I have joy. I have joy in giving. There's a big difference in my attitude when I was giving, and I'm saying, well, God, I'm going through this difficulty, and I'm faithful to you, and you're not coming through. No, no, it's called persistence. Go again. Go again. Go again. Go again. There's nothing. Go again. I still can't. Go again. <laughs> I've committed myself not to fall to dishonesty at work. I'm a believer, and I should be honest, and I should you know, not lie or not cheat or steal or anything, and, and others are, are, are not going that route, but I haven't landed that promotion yet. So God, what are you doing? Why don't you ask Joseph how that worked out for him? He was being faithful, and he was doing right, and he was not going to succumb to the wickedness around him. And it got him in prison, and it got him, you know, uh, worse, accused, and he got, it just kind of gets deeper and deeper and deeper. But you know what? God is a debtor to no man. Take a look at the end of Joseph's life. He was brought to be probably the most powerful man on earth. And he's brought out of prison and God, see, you know what? God needed him to go through all of that, but it was a persistence to come to the place where he had blessing. Ask Joseph what staying true to God cost. And then, you know, uh, uh, superimpose that upon your life and, and the sacrifices that you're doing. How about persistence, guys? So you gave two people a gospel track, but nobody got saved. And so, uh, forget this. I'm not inviting anybody else because I invited, you know, a person from my work to come to church and I never had a visitor come for me and so just quit. So you prayed and you didn't see something right away. So what do you do? Well, just quit. You prayed for patience and now you only, you're only getting tribulation. Uh, excuse me, that's what the Bible says. Tribulation, work of patience. You shouldn't have prayed for patience, but nonetheless, you prayed for patience, and this is what you got, and here you are, and, and you're going, and, and you can't do anything but sigh under the burden. And you're going, oh my goodness. So I quit that. I quit praying for patience. I quit going after the, the gem of my faith being tried by fire, coming forth much more precious than of gold. That You know what? That's how it gets purged. It's through tribulation, through difficulty. Now listen, it's the gem, it's the gold that's purified coming out at the, of the furnace that is worth it. It is worth it. I read my Bible for four days in a row, and so far I haven't gotten a grasp on understanding Daniel or Ezekiel or Revelation. You know, and so, you know, just, uh, then I'll go ahead and quit reading. No, folks. It's a consistent, it's a persistent, it's on and on, it's continually, it's not giving up. We, we've all heard of the stories of extremely wealthy gold or silver mines that were sold for pittance. And then the new owners, they dig just a few more feet and they strike it rich. Don't quit. See it through. How many times has the Lord requested our persistence before his blessings? Marching around Jericho seven times, remember Silent. Why seven times? And then on the last day, seven times that day. I mean, why, all, why not just the first time? He, he needed to, to teach them, to teach others. He, he was working through their persistence. Naaman dipping in the river Jordan before he came 
cleansed of his leprosy seven times. Why did God ask him to, to dip seven times before blessing? But he did, didn't he? Folks, the Lord requests our persistence to see his blessing. You see, that servant that went up and Elijah says, go check. There's nothing. I'll do it seven times. He would have been assured of failure if he only went for immediate results. And if he would have quit after the first or second or third or fourth or fifth or sixth try, he would have been assured of failure if he didn't trust the fidelity of our God. If he didn't understand that God is faithful. And if God promised a blessing is coming, then that's okay. That's all right. Let's just trust God. See, folks, I can be faithful. I can, I can hang on because of his faithfulness, because of his fidelity, because of his consistency, because of his persistence. Lamentation 3.22, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. Thank the Lord for that. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Oh, listen, folks, God is faithful. He is faithful. He stands behind his promise, his word. He will never forsake you. He is faithful. Thank the Lord for that. <clears throat> it was after that the servant saw the fire fall on, on the, that, uh, uh, those sacrifices of Elijah from heaven that he learned of God's fidelity, God's power. But the servant didn't fail because he did go back seven times. He went again and again and again and again till the rain came. Folks, the Lord is faithful. We can trust him. We can trust him. You know what we normally do in invitation time and, and all? I, I'd like to sing the song, Great is Thy Faithfulness. You know, that's a, that's a song that you know, we sing that I'm telling you, folks, we can be faithful. We can be persistent because he is faithful. So let's, let's look at that in our songs. Uh, page 8 in your songbook, Great is Thy Faithfulness. I want to I sing this song. Let's all stand and sing on page 8 about God's faithfulness. And folks, we can be persistent. We can keep on. We cannot quit because He is faithful. He's faithful to us. Great is Thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning with
and the piano to continue to play